Hello and welcome. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. Uh, we will get you set for the Thursday nighter. Long pause. Yeah, that Thursday nighter. Steelers, Patriots. Uh, we'll talk to Steve Buckley from The Athletic. He's a columnist there based out of Boston. Um, oh, there's a lot to get to. Watch it just be an amazing game. No, there, it can't be. Watch this is impossible. Be, you know, last team with the ball wins. Yeah. At points a, at a, all over the place. And I was going to say last team with the ball when it's 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. <laughs> Three nothing. Yeah. And, and you have... Uh, and you have Chris Boswell kicking a field goal with no time left to win 9-6. That's what we're waiting for. So I'm sure you haven't spent a lot of time watching Tyke football. No. But can I bet on it? <laughs> I mean, <there's, laughs> listen, when we go down south in Florida, I'm sure you can. But some of, like, the youth football games are the best because they're just chaos. Yes. Like you have no idea what's going to happen at any time. You could have great athleticism. You could have a boneheaded mistake. You could have both on the same play. And I think maybe everyone, everyone has essentially sent Al Michaels a virtual hug because some feel he has seemed a little disinterested with Amazon. And now he's got a terrible schedule. And even when they fix the schedule, this and, and he doesn't like game. all the flags. No. Uh, but I, I I, think maybe, just maybe, and of course, Lance is going to play this back when it's literally, yeah. it's 2 nothing. It's like a, a defensive safety <laughs> wins the game. Um, but I know I'm, 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 I'm choosing to look glass half full well, on this one. Well, that makes one of us. The fact that you compared the Thursday nighter potentially to Tyke football is probably exactly how it should be but then you tried to put a positive spin on it donovan this is the difference between me and you you're a positive guy well hold on hold on <laughs> hold on because i'm the, not the, the country needs it can i get a little bill belichick and a little mike tomlin talking to tyke football players oh my i don't know if i can do tomlin i can definitely do belichick like okay hold on hood's going on i know we're not even recording this on video but i think it's part of the the whole thing i rolled up my sleeves you gotta look the part you're a method actor all right kids um we're ready for this one. Um, you're better than Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, uh, Johnny quarterback. And um, we're going to go out there. We're going to play hard. We're going to try and put the best team on the field. I don't care if uh, if your mom brought the oranges for halftime. Um, doesn't mean you're going to play. But uh, we're really, uh, we're really excited about this matchup tonight against the Tyke Steelers. I love it. I love it. Listen, I think Tomlin goes, amen, amen, eyes up. Listen, I know you're not men yet. Technically, doesn't matter. The standard is the standard. We're not running away from uncomfort. We're running to it. You guys can barely run. It doesn't matter. The standard is that we don't blink, men. We cut our eyelids off. I know you guys barely have eyelids. Doesn't matter. The standard is the standard. One, two, three, the standard. I think that's what Mike Tomlin says. Though. I thought you did a great job there, Mike. <laughs> One, two, three, go team. <laughs> can, can I ask you a Mike Tomlin question? And, sure. And there are, are maybe no two bigger members of the Mike T fan club than us. And mm-hmm. I suppose his doppelganger, uh, as uh, Omar Epps. But we, we give Mike Tomlin a lot of love for, look what he does with this flawed roster every year. They're around 500. 
doesn't miss the playoffs, post-Big Ben, doesn't matter. At some point, knowing that he's been there for a while, he has input in the draft, input in free agency, at some point do we have to say, are, are you trying to get difficulty points, Mike? Like, you have to be part of the reason why the roster is so flawed, even though we love the fact that no matter what you have, you put out a pretty good product, shouldn't we ask some of the same questions we've asked of Bill Belichick around the fact that Belichick, the GM, is not helping Belichick to coach? Should we say the same about Mike Tomlin? Um, I think you can have that conversation because maybe, well, not maybe, Mike Tomlin does have a lot of say in in the players that he brings in. Here's the Here's the difference, though, between Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick is that Mike Tomlin constantly is churning out, like post the legendary quarterback that he had, churning out pro bowlers and developing talent. And even though, you know, guys at the wide receiver position or wherever they change, they're constantly getting production out of that position. You could say that about defense as well. There's also something to be said about Maybe you're just really not good at having an eye for talent in the draft or in free agency because you want a specific type of player. And I think that's part of it. There's a reason why GMs are GMs, and there's a reason why coaches are coaches. Let's continue that conversation, though. Um, Maybe in a few minutes. Maybe with our next guest. Uh, It's James Brown, host of the NFL on CBS. He is a legend, and he joins us now on the program. Uh, Mr. Brown, how are you today? No, Mr. Brown. That's your Matt father, Donovan, right? It is, it is JB all day long. <laughs> I like first that. Of all, I'm good with that. I wish I had been listening to a lot more of this segment. I'm loving where you guys were heading in this, and there is no way that I can even attempt to play GM. And I'll just <laughs> say, because I caught the tail end of it, you both know the game and the history as well as I do. That has probably been one of the biggest areas of debate amongst, um, I guess, within leadership circles, if you will, as well as fans, that only a few guys who've worn both hats have done that well, both coach and GM. And I remember being uh, certainly a a Washington native and fan. That was a conversation for the longest time when Joe Gibbs was coaching and Bobby Beathard was a GM. I think that it was done exceedingly well with that responsibility being separate um, and the kind of success that they enjoyed, even when I think about the Baltimore Ravens with Ozzie Newsom and now, of course, the Castro and John Harbaugh, that it's worked wonderfully well. But where were you guys going with that? Just out of curiosity. So, well, I'm, I'm, cause my point was going to be that coaching, especially today, when it be, when it comes to analytics and just. You know, it, it is. I know football's always been a chess match, but it feels like now more so than ever because there's just so many smart minds in football that as a head coach, there's just more on your plate right now. And I don't think that guys can handle both duties. Like we've seen what's happened with Bill Belichick when he doesn't have the greatest quarterback of all time on his roster. And let's be frank here Bill Belichick hasn't handled free agency very well and he hasn't handled the draft very well especially over the course of the last three seasons and I just think it's too much I also think there's something to be said about the game passing coaches by as they get a little bit older but honestly JB I just think it's too much to handle especially in today's game 
I wouldn't disagree with that assessment at all. And with respect to Bill Belichick, I guess the key would be whether or not he's going to want to stay, number one, or Mr. Kraft will help have him stay to see if, in fact, he could bring what has to be brilliance to the table. Because while he did have the GOAT there in Tom Brady, he also had other players there. You, I'm hard-pressed if somebody were to ask me, other than, of course, the merry-go-round with uh, Bailey Nappy, you know, Mac Jones, etc. What other name can you readily come to mind with? And again, you guys may be better at it because you do it daily. That 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 jumps in your mind. Uh, Bill clearly knows what he's doing, but he's got to be given the talent to be able to do it because he had some great defensive teams. He also had some pretty good offensive talent there when he had uh, the likes of Randy Moss and others, uh, Wes Welker. Um, you name it, um, uh, he, he's had it when he's had the talent to work with. But I'm in agreement with you. Philosophically, I think it works better when they're separate because if a coach is, in fact, letting the GM know, this is the kind of player that I want, this is the system that I have in place, find somebody who can meet that need. Now there's some clear direction for the scouts and GMs to go out and find exactly those kind of players. Uh, but for a coach to be split with those responsibilities and not having the time to go out and use the expertise that our scouts who certainly need to be commended more than we are or panned if they're not delivering, I agree with you. I think it's a little too much to handle personally. Uh, what, what did Donovan have to say? Well, it, it's so funny you say that. Because I look at a role like yours uh, as a host where, you know, sometimes you want input, but not ownership, but some accountability. You don't necessarily want to have to set the entire lineup and research uh, all of the graphics and fonts, but you want to be a part of the conversation. And it's funny, Bill Parcells, as you know, would often say, uh, if you want me to make the meal, you should let me buy the groceries but I, I just wonder if uh, at, at this point there are going to be many Bill Parcells moving forward and there will be much more division uh, of labor and, and of ownership and accountability. Is that one of the things you've seen as the game has changed over the years? Yeah, and look, I have immense respect for you guys, So, and I'm so glad that we're making it a conversation because let me be real clear. I am not the definitive expert, nor do I try to. Even though basketball was my love, and in the fraternity of ex-players and coaches, of course they come at me and tease with me all day long about that, but virtually every guy on the set that I work with they played multiple sports, and they just love to get me uh, and tease me about that. But you make a great point even in bringing up my role, Donovan. I'm, I have such immense respect for those who I say are from the fraternity of ex-players and coaches. Nobody is tuning in the set to hear me talk about, oh, well, this particular team, Team A, is going to employ a hybrid defense because they've got – a phenomenal uh, wide receiver, so therefore they're going to play man on, on one side and zone on the other side because of that great receiver, I, uh, a.k.a. Tyree Kill. They're not, it comes with authority and understanding if it's from a Bill Cower or any of the guys on my set who've played the game. It is important for me, just as you guys do daily, to understand the game well enough to be able to ask the relevant and uh, a proper question to elicit from them. For instance, with Bill Cower, 
Bill Cower is one of the brightest minds. He's got every notebook volume, a copious notes, and I don't even know how many volumes from his first year of coaching in the league that he references that he built a library from to make certain that he was studying to be attuned and on top of the game. Shame on me if I don't tap into a mindset like that. And the same with the players in terms of what they're focused on because we know the season is segmented into parts. Bill Cowher likes to call it the first four or five games. And, and gosh, this is a much longer conversation, but we know with the CBA rules, uh, coaches don't have as much time out on the field with them with their pads on. So they're learning what kind of team they really have through the first four or five games. So it's a feeling out process, yes, even then, because there's not a lot of time even in training camp. So that now you get to the middle part of the season, which Bill Cowher calls navigating the murky waters of the season, you know, trying to avoid major injuries. Having San Francisco had that happen with a couple of their Swiss Army Knife type of players, and they had that three-game skid. And then when you get to the last part of the season, however you want to define it, the last four or five games, you hope you've got some momentum going towards the postseason with a minimum amount of injuries uh, there in the case. So, Donovan, great example to drag me into that because I just want to make sure I understand well enough to ask the right questions of the guys or or ladies who are there that I know have the answer and can offer some insight. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm going to drag you and your teammates into it (laughs) once again. Even more. Okay. I, I will say I do tune in to watch you do highlights, you're one of the best. And often I say, well, Nate is outstanding as well, but do I, do I need other athletes doing the highlights? I want to see more JB. But that's just me. But that, that's not my question. My question is, you talked about Coach Cower, and I know sometimes we say everything was better in yesteryear, and my parents yep. told me that they walked uphill to school both ways. Like, I get it. But <laughs> we are in a time right now where I feel like in sports and football specifically, a GM, a coach's first job is to keep the job and not mm-hmm. to win. And you look at the leaks in the New York Jets camp. You look at some of the coded language from Frank Reich in terms of who may or may not have been on board with the quarterback and the meddling of the owner in Indianapolis. And I just think to myself, would any of this happen? Steel curtain days with the Rooney family, with Bill Cowher in Pittsburgh. No. So, what has changed over the years from your perspective where we are currently in the discourse we are in sports? First of all, I want to give a little credit. Uh, please help me. I butchered his name up. It's actually Italian. Uh, is it D- oh, Danielle? Danielle, yeah. Danielle. Yeah. You know what? You guys can call me anytime. This is a great conversation. And let me just make sure. Was that Matt who was referencing the Steel Curtain days? That was Donovan that referenced the Steel Donovan. Curtain days. Hey, yeah. so Donovan. Hey, Donovan. How awesome. Because you know what? The example that I always use is the Steel Curtain of the Rooney days back in the day. They've had what? Not in the history, but in the last 50 plus years, three coaches. They know what they're doing. So from a leadership, a managerial standpoint of leadership, understanding exactly what qualities they're looking in from uh, looking for in a coach and whether or not he is delivering that through thick and thin, that's what they did. 
Chuck Noll, when he was hired, he went 1-13 and in his first season. The press was all over Mr. Dan Rooney said, are you going to get rid of him? 1-13? and Because even then, there was a microwave mindset that we want things to happen right now. When leadership is putting a plan in place that is tried and true, that is going to lead to sustained success and also weathering the downs that are inevitable, whether it's in the world of sports, business, family, or anything else. When Mr. Rooney was asked, are they going to fire Dan um, um, Chuck Noll after a 1-13 season, he looked the press square in the eye and said, we have exactly the right guy we thought we were hiring. He's here for the long haul, period. That's the James Brown version. And the rest is history. So that which is impacting things today is an even more microwave mindset that if people don't have instant success, there's less tolerance for the fact that it takes time to put together a winning formula. The Houston Texans right now, they are, in my mind, a year ahead of the program in terms of realizing the success that they've gotten with a D'Amico Ryans at the head coach and a, some talented young players other than even a quarterback who is beyond his age in terms of the maturity and calm that he's displaying out there. They're a year ahead of time. But you let it build right by selecting the right players. And I go back to the original premise. I think if you've got the right kind of G in place and the GM and coach are on the same page, page knowing that together they're going to have a lot more success than one person trying to wear that full cap. But push back on me, fellas. I mean, do you disagree with what I'm saying? No, no. I, I think that there there's something to be said, A, about continuity with coaches mm-hmm. because you know what you're getting. I mean, and eventually that does wear out and and we're having conversations about Bill Belichick right now. Like sometimes mm-hmm. the, the game and the style of player changes. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no better example than the Pittsburgh Steelers about that continuity and knowing what the program is. Uh, uh, James Brown, host of NFL on CBS, joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the fan checkdown. So you talked about, we talked about the Steelers a little bit in kind of a, a roundabout way here, but the current edition of the Steelers is in the playoffs right now. And I wanted to ask you about the playoff setup because the, the races are great, but the one concern that Donovan and I have raised on this show is, does this reward mediocrity? We're football nuts. We're going to watch football anyway. Like, we're going to watch this game tonight. It's, gonna, it's not going to be very good. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that these guys are going to go hit the over, which is at 30 right now. But we're mm-hmm. going to watch it because we love watching football. Bad football, mediocre football, great football. We watch it all the same. Is there a concern about rewarding mediocrity in the NFL with adding the wildcard team? Or does the NFL look at it and go, it doesn't matter because we've got eyeballs on it all the time because it means something. So how do you value the it means something versus we want to have good teams in the playoffs here? Wow. super Boy, you guys are superb. Great question. But let me, if I were in a classroom setting um, at the university, I would raise my hand and ask the professor, can you give me a specific example that substantiates the concern that you have, a team or organization? Absolutely. The Indianapolis Please. Colts would be in that conversation. Um, no mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson. I, I mean, uh, Gardner Minshew's done a great job. No question about that. But that's not mm-hmm. a team that we looked at and went, well, that's a playoff team. Uh, the Denver Broncos could get 
get in. They gave up 70 points this year. We can look to the NFC. Um, three quarters of the NFC South? Yeah, three quarters of the... Like a bad team is going to get in. Well, they're going to get in anyway. We understand that. But like those types of teams are going to get in. I, I don't put Houston in there because, like you said, I think Houston's been way ahead of schedule. They're a lot of fun to watch. So that's more what I'm saying. Like, are, are we worried about, you know, even as much as I don't want to poo-poo on the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're not the most exciting team to watch in the oh, world. Oh, no, no, right? no, no. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. So here's the fact of the matter. The league with this new emphasis and focus on offensive prolificness, if you will, um, wants to make sure one of the key objectives is to ensure that as many fan bases as possible remain interested in their teams so as to sustain that interest, that level of interest and participation and fan attendance, if you will, and or viewership agreed with you. Because now the downside of that is a concern that you're expressing. But it wasn't too, too long ago where John Madden, God bless him, he may have favored having those dominant teams, San Francisco, Dallas, and the others back in the day. Hey, everybody's got to find a way to catch up to them. But the dominant teams were running over so many, and I wish I could give more specifics, but I'm trying to be sensitive to the segment time that we have here so you guys keep me on track, um, that fan bases were losing interest maybe just before halfway through the season because they realized their team was out of it, had no shot. So even though you're concerned about competitive balance, I hear what you're saying, or not not so much competitive balance is what they're looking for with this, but in terms of whether or not a team really has it, here's how I would look at it. The Indianapolis Colts, I think Coach Steichen is doing a phenomenal job there with the loss of Anthony Richardson, and then we got Gardner Minshew keeping them competitive, and they've got some pretty good talent there. So I haven't seen many situations off the top of my head, but you guys push back on me, please, where they've been blown out. So when you look at Indianapolis, and right now Houston, because of the division record, which is one game better by Indianapolis over Houston, Houston is in the eighth seed outside of the playoffs, but they could very easily be in there. So I'm kind of looking at it and giving a tip of the cap to what they are doing to remain competitive, even without an Anthony Richardson and other injuries that they've sustained. Denver, I think, is a good story. Was it Miami that hung 70 points on them in the first game or First couple games of the season yes. was in Miami. Yes. Yeah. And now look at what they have done since. I mean, let me give Sean Payton his due credit because they are very much in the conversation. Russell Wilson, who many of us thought, hey, his best days are behind him now. Well, now he's living up to the old moniker of Russ cooking, you know, out there playing a smart random ball. He still can do it, and he can still do it with his legs. Their defense is playing well. Uh, Sutland, you know, they've got some, uh, Courtney, they've got some good players who are now winning is a great deodorant. That's a John Madden expression. When teams are winning, you know what? Because a couple players last year on that Denver team were skewering Russ um, because of what he wasn't doing. And part of that was because when he went to Denver, he wanted to have an office in the building. Wait a minute. He's a part of the team. You've got to be one of the guys. So now they're viewing him as separate from them. Man, when Sean Payton got there, nope, that office is no longer your, your, your entourage. I'm running the show here, and this is how we're going to get it done. And look at the benefits the, um, uh, that are being derived from that kind of an attitude. So I hear what you're saying, but the league wants to be competitive. They've ex extended it so that more team and fan bases can still be in it for a while. 
And you know what? There are, and I love one of the topics, if I haven't just run off at the mouth, that you guys had on here was some lower-seeded teams that you might not want to see. Denver might be one of those squads on the AFC side of the house that you may not want to see as well. The Rams, many people I thought preseason didn't really think they had a shot at it. They're playing well. Seattle on the outside looking in. They're not a lower seed. They're on the outside looking in at the ninth seed. But who would have thunk it with Geno Smith? And some of the other players right there, I think Pete Carroll has done a phenomenal job with that team. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the congregation said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm loving you guys because I'm loving the way you're pushing back. And, and you guys are having a, a conversation based on knowledge uh, and intellect. And this is, this is so uh, stimulating to me. But go ahead, fellas. Well, no, we are going to outsource something that okay. you have lots of knowledge on. Uh, for our audience before we let you go as we'll do a little bit of a pivot because in sports we talk about the coaching tree specifically in football in broadcasting you have a tree sir the jb tree and many a broadcaster has said that their career is at the feet of you and you have helped to mentor them specifically uh, broadcasters of color specifically black broadcasters which for me personally is something you know i look to emulate but I, i wonder your perspective on the landscape of the industry because and JB, when I, you know, lay my head at rest every night, I thank God that I was not born now, uh, that I was born a couple generations ago, because if I was getting into the industry now, I, I don't know necessarily if I would have had the same career. When you look across the landscape, newsrooms are getting smaller and smaller, and really that culture doesn't exist. Regionally, roles are being taken away in print and broadcast, and so you have to come to a big market to get an opportunity with high cost of living, not great opportunity, massive layoffs. And I wonder if someone were to try to chart the career path that you have had now, how they would do it. When you are advising people looking to follow in your footsteps in broadcasting, in sports broadcasting, in football broadcasting, what do you tell them given all of the current market factors? Well, first of all, if we were on air uh, visually, virtual, so you could see my comment would have even a lot more resonance. I'm too dark to blush. I appreciate what you were saying. That is humbling. Not sure that I'm worthy of it, but I, I'm, I'm humbled and very thankful. And I certainly know <clears throat> that with respect to Nate Burleson, we had this conversation when I was blessed for the first 13 years of the NFL broadcast boot camp, working with a number of athletes whose aspirations were to get into the business, whether it was in front of the camera or behind. And the one thing I continue to say, because there are certain things, I love what you guys have been articulating here. There are certain things that don't change. Fundamentals are the same. Even though point well taken in terms of how the industry has changed, the landscape has changed from in terms of what's done locally versus at the network level, but correspondingly, there have been a lot more opportunities for folks to get, um, if you will, with podcasts, um, with um, local outlets. Um, they get an opportunity to get some reps in, to make some mistakes, to find themselves, to hone and sharpen the skills of the gifts that are being sought after at that level. And even at the network level, you've got the uh, the digital side of the house, uh, et cetera, that provide those opportunities. So they're still there. But to me, Excellent to still it. When I was hit, um, um, headlining, if you will, or moderating more accurately, the NFL broadcast boot camp, I would always tell those uh, athletes, 
Excellence is the key. Fundamentals, just like you guys go out and practice every day. Yes, you've internalized the fundamentals associated with the game. It's still blocking and tackling and the whole and, and executing your rights proper routes properly or assignments properly. Master the fundamentals. My high school coach, the great Morgan Wooten from DeMatha High School, who was the first high school coach to go into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame only for what he did at the high school level, was excellent at that. And he said it is the fundamentals of the game, or they are the fundamentals of the game that are key to making certain. Michael Jordan, even when he came to the NBA, I was doing play-by-play for CBS back in the day when they had the NBA. And Chicago Stadium was, was – and they didn't have anybody there. Michael was still very good, but he worked hard on the fundamentals to nail a steady, deadly outside shot. Working, He was always a pretty doggone good defender, handling the ball, all those other things, becoming a team player through the first three quarters, getting the other guys by committee, whether it was the two centers or Kerr with the outside shot, etc. Paxson. You know, it is still the fundamentals that win. And if you've got those, and I tell those young um, aspiring broadcasters, if you are an excellent broadcaster who understands the mechanics of reporting, whether it's in sports or whatever, you can work across the spectrum in sports, in news, in entertainment, in academia. It's understanding the mechanics of what we do and displaying them well. Somebody will find you just as to use the example in the world of pro football. Scouts are everywhere now. They will find the talent where it exists. Does that make sense, fellas? It does. It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, Honestly, just hearing you talk about that just kind of gives me chills because uh, we're talking to JB, and that's pretty great for us. Uh, listen, you've been you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it was a great chat. I know both of us enjoyed it from this side of it. Hope you did as well. Uh, thanks again, and and hopefully we can get to do this down the road as well. Uh, very no, much not appreciate hope, it. Not hopefully. Let's do it. You guys were awesome. You've got me fired up for the day, so thank you both very much. Any Anytime <laughs> we can get you fired up, you just give us a call. We'll help you out. No problem, JB. I'm ready, and I mean that genuinely. Have a great day and a good weekend ahead. Thanks. You too. Enjoy the game, sir, and have a great call on Sunday. Uh, There he goes. JB, James Brown, host of NFL on CBS. Wow. I don't even know what to say. That was pretty cool. Has he ever had a bad day? I don't. Always always smile. Yeah. upbeat, positive, hopeful. I, I, I need to take more life lessons from JB and just be a little bit happier because I feel like that's a pretty good way to go about life. And he kind of liked us. That was pretty cool, too. That was fun. Well, uh, as much fun as that was, we got more fun on the other side. And it's not necessarily about the game tonight, but the New England Patriots are maybe the most interesting storyline in the NFL right now because who knows what the heck is going to happen over the course of the next week, the next day, the next six months, the next year. Who knows? Uh, but it's going to be very interesting. Nonetheless, Steve Buckley from The Athletic, he's a columnist there uh, in the bo- and from the Boston area, and he will join us to talk about the Patriots, the future of Bill Belichick, and uh, maybe we'll ask him if Mac Jones can be a starter in the NFL outside of New England. That'll be something. Steve Buckley's next. The Fan Checkdown, Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. We'll be back in a few. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. 
with you here. Uh, big thanks to JB, as he likes to be called, James Brown, for joining us in that last block. And one of the things that we talked about was coaching and tenure and the program. Well, we got another one going on here, and it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the New England Patriots. Uh, Steve Buckley is a columnist with The Athletic based out of Boston, and he joins us now on the show. Uh, we'll talk about the Patriots, of course. Uh, Steve, how are you today? I'm fine, Matt. I'm in Pittsburgh. Well, and and thankfully for that, because you know, if we if we need any notes on Bill Belichick and what he's not going to say in the presser, uh, you can certainly <laughs> provide it for us. Listen, I, we, we've talked a lot on this show about you know the ticking clock with Bill Belichick, and and obviously you know across Boston radio and print and digital, it's it's all over the place, and we totally understand that. Um, what is the feeling like? In, the, in Boston, in the surrounding area, about this ticking clock and, and how he's handled the team? Like, what is the sense in the area about not only the organization's willingness to keep him around, but maybe his own willingness to stick around and kind of see this rebuild through? Well, I can't speak to his own willingness because... Of course. <laughs> um, he, he, obviously, he doesn't pull us aside for little chats, but... Uh, keep in mind when you when you speak of his willingness. Uh, he, he's an East Coast guy. Uh, he was raised in Maryland. He, he coached with the Giants. He, he went to school in Connecticut, Wesleyan, and he's owned a, a compound on Nantucket for many years, which he which is which he loves going to. So um, I, I think in terms of like how he best lives his life, I think he prefer to be right where he is now. Uh, the, the standings might suggest otherwise, because uh, for many, many years there there was there were two groups. There was the in Bill we trust, uh, whatever he says is fine, and then there was always the fringe group, which was well, he was just the lucky coach who had Tom Brady, and uh, well, you can choose a side there, but the in Bill we trust crowd has been muted this season. I think we could comfortably say. Well, I wonder, is there an in-craft-we-trust crowd? Because I think, really, the conversation starts at the ownership level in terms of how do you respectfully honor someone who has helped build the value of your franchise, but also how do you continue to compete? And, you know, given the age of Mr. Kraft, I, I, I certainly... Expect that, you know, he wants to compete sooner rather than later. Do you have any sense of what the relationship like is like between the front office, coaching staff, and ownership right now? I mean, I can't speak anecdotally about it, but I always have recognized that Belichick was sort of out on an island. When he when he came to the team, he brought some of his own staff. Uh, he was an assistant with the Jets, and they did give him charge of football operations. So he he does operate op, operate in a vacuum to that degree. Um, as far as his personal relationship with Kraft, uh, I think a lot of dynamic, powerful, iconic head coaches. Uh, do not buddy up with the owner. I think part of the reason they attain that kind of power is that they, they've grabbed that kind of power. So I, I don't think that Robert's in the room with him going over scouting reports and so forth. I think that Belichick was, was, was hired to run football operations. And when football operations go south, one would 
think that eventually a change would be made. And this would be the first year ever uh, that I would think that that change might be imminent. Not not anything that happened last year or the year before uh, or even going back all the way to 2000 pre-Brady uh, when I think they won six games. I think this is the first year where that's a real issue. I look at Shula's record and I wonder if he had already surpassed it. Would he even still be coaching? And I guess my biggest question is, how did we get here? This seems to be, over the last couple of years, a very un-Bill Belichick-like team. Doesn't seem overly inspired. Mistakes that are often more mental than physical. Some special teams break down, which is something that he has prided himself on. Certainly, the quarterback is the piece that everyone has to get right. But it's more than just the quarterback. In, in your covering of the team, how did things crumble so quickly? I, I agree with you. I mean, it's not just the quarterback. Uh, when you consider letting Jacoby Myers go, um, for just made no sense whatsoever. And when you consider, you know, benching players, who, young players who make a mistake early in the game, and then all our players played, and he refuses to answer questions about why guys play and don't play. He, he's uh, he, he's clearly from where I sit. There there are I think you nailed it. There are mistakes being made and strays from the path that are happening that weren't happening before. And by the way, I am uh, I, I've been very critical of Belichick uh, the last couple of years. Very critical. However, I am not in the camp that believes he was this lucky guy who happened to have Brady all these years. And I understand there's a, there's, there are numbers out there. This is the record with Brady. This is the record without Brady. However, and I, I say this all the time, so bear with me. You To play with those numbers is to assume that Brady would have won all those Super Bowls regardless of who his coach is. The fact is, the math is, that Belichick and Brady, as a tandem, won six Super Bowls. You cannot take that away from Belichick to make the case that he's a lousy coach without Brady. As a tandem, it was the perfect storm, and they won all these games together. All the other math works, but you can't leave that out. So I wanted to get that in there. Steve Buckley from The Athletic, uh, joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on The Fan Checkdown. Well, it's important to have that context, Steve, and I am from the camp that Bill Belichick, the GM, has hurt Bill Belichick, the coach. He didn't really have interest in free agency until he did and spent all his money on tight ends, has never been able to get the wide receiver position right uh, outside of you know drafting players that are slot receivers and changing their positions, but that's not what he's done of late. You mentioned the, the Myers decision. To me... The, the real questions about him or how he built this football team, uh, maybe more so than, than how he's coaching them. He's had people to help him build it who have gone to other organizations as general managers in the past, and that's a big part of his executive tree, if you will, that maybe is more successful than his coaching tree. But is this more about the evaluation of talent than it is the coaching talent? I think it's part of it. There's also, and this isn't a thought unique to me, others who 
know a lot more football than I do have, have made this case. And, and I, I see where they're going with it is that Belichick has always been a defensive minded coach and loves special teams. We all know that he'll, he'll, he'll wax poetic about special teams for hours, but football has become a, a sort of 21st century version of pinball. Uh, offense is, is so passing is so important. Offense is so important and it doesn't seem based on the results uh, based on the way they run their offense, based on the fact that they handed the offense to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge last year, uh, two guys who didn't have a lot of experience on that side of the ball, uh, which suggested that Belichick, I mean, we can talk about Belichick, the general manager, but Belichick, the coach, um, probably isn't up to speed with some of the younger coaches on the way offenses are being run now. And I think that uh, that's a valid criticism. Um, I thought that he, he should have ceded some of his um, front office duties several years ago, and that hasn't happened yet, and that too has hurt them. Steve, uh, when we talk about the potential succession plan for Bill Belichick, whether it's this year or next year or, or whenever that is, do you think that it's one of those that, you know, it could be a Bill O'Brien type? I mean, I I can't imagine that the Josh McDaniels thing is still a thing where he's the heir apparent after what we've seen him do both in, in Denver and with the Raiders. Um, but could it be a scenario where it's a, a Mike Vrabel type, a, a former player? Or do you think the organization says, listen, the Patriot way under Bill Belichick is no longer because it's very hard to run an organization and run a football team uh, on the field specifically the way that Bill Belichick has run it with this, with the players and the personality of players that we have now, could they just go in a completely opposite direction and kind of start fresh? Do you think? Well, okay. I, I think if they remove, if they remove Belichick, regardless of what they do, that'll be starting fresh. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. Um, I think Gerard Mayo, uh, who's a member of the Patriots coaching staff, uh, could could very well step in. There was there was some talk early this season in the middle of the season that Belichick would get removed and this guy would get put in. But I don't think you you I think you want your new coach. And this is just me talking. I think you want your new coach to start fresh. I don't think your new coach should inherit any of what's happening right now. The team probably isn't going to win a lot of games. So, you know, why should the new coach who who's expected to build in 24 and beyond be saddled with a few extra losses this season? So I think Mayo is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, not sure about Vrabel. I, I thought that I read, I may be wrong, that, that Vrabel is, is uh, in a stable position in Tennessee. Um, obviously that could change. And, you know, we all know from experience that quote unquote votes of confidence from ownership are, you know, seldom worth 10 cents. So we'll see what happens there. But my guess is that Rabel stays in Tennessee. Uh, I think the bigger question is, and this is one that a bunch of us were just talking about over dinner last night, uh, Bill Belichick, uh, where, where does he end up? I think he wants to break that record. Uh, and frankly, I'd like to see him do it. I think it, it would be history, and I know that it's it's popular for Pats fans to sort of poo-poo-poo. You know, that's not a big deal. All we care about is the Patriots, not his personal record. I'd like to see him do it. And the question is, where does he do it? Um, you see different, you know, oh, we'll go to Carolina, he'll go to the Giants, he'll go here. Uh, that has to happen first. And the team that brings him in has to recognize that while he's won all these Super Bowls, 
uh, two additionally, if you count his years on defense with the New York Giants, uh, he's going to be 72 in April. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, one more before we let you go here, Steve. Uh, on the field, Bailey Zappi is going to start tonight. Uh, Mac Jones will be backing him up. Malik Cunningham will be kind of somewhere in the mix, I would assume. Um, but as it pertains to Mac Jones, this is a former first-round pick, uh, a guy that people said, oh, boy, Belichick lucked out. His guy fell to him at, I think it was pick 15, and here we go. We're going to start this over again. And now we've seen Mac Jones go into the doghouse. A lot of it is on Mac Jones. A bunch of it is on, well, he doesn't have anybody to throw to, and his offensive line has been shaky at times. I don't anticipate that Mac Jones is is a member of this organization next year, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but... Do you see a starting future for Mac Jones outside of New England? I do, and I don't know where it is, and I'm fascinated by it. Um, I I wrote a piece in The Athletic last week that I was roundly criticized for, but I, I, I think that Mac Jones's future is more interesting than Bill Belichick's future. I think if Bill Belichick leaves New England and gets another job, he will eventually break that record. Uh, it might be slow and plodding and, you know, take a couple of years. Um, but he'll, he'll hang on and he'll break it, I think. But Matt Jones, it's fascinating. I want to see how the story turns out. I want to see. You, you said yourself it's mostly on him. Okay, I agree. Yeah, he's the guy that throws the ball. But you also said, and I agree, he had no offensive line this year. He's got no receivers. They settled him with Patricia and Judge last year. I don't blame O'Brien for that. It's popular now to say, oh, Bill O'Brien's no better than uh, Patricia and Judge. No, I think Bill O'Brien's a good offensive coordinator who has no offensive line, who has no receivers, and he has a quarterback who has, I don't know if he has the yips, I don't know if he's lost his confidence, I don't know if he's quote-unquote broken, uh, but the fact is they have not put him in the best position to succeed. He hasn't handled it well. I agree with that part of it, but I want to see what he can do with a fresh start, <clears throat> with a better offensive line, with better coaches and some receivers. I'm fascinated by that story. Yeah, as am I. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who wants to take a shot on him. Uh, listen, Steve, thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Greatly appreciate it. Enjoyed your insight. And, uh, I mean, I would say enjoy the game. Try and enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully they <laughs> prove us all wrong and it's a fun football game, but we'll all be watching anyway. Thanks, Steve. See you later. There you go. Steve Buckley covers, uh, well, he, he's a columnist for the athletic, but he's in Pittsburgh covering the game right now uh, between the Patriots and the Steelers. Donovan, if you were a team and you saw this body of work for Mac Jones and you have a good structure, you're shaking your head before I even get there. Yeah, It's no. a no for you. No, we can uh, priority backup. Sure. There are five kids who potentially could go in the first round of the draft mm-hmm. that I'd r- rather reset the clock with get them for longer term and lower money with potentially a higher upside than Mac Jones. I, I didn't think Mac Jones sh- should have been a first round pick when he was first round pick. Mm-hmm. I think the body of work thus far has proven that even though he hasn't had a great scheme, a great play caller or great receivers. So I could be wrong, but in the modern day NFL, you need to either have elite arm talent and or mobility, if not both, he has neither. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not really interested in that proposition. Can I bring the rest of the Alabama offense with him? Because if so, (laughs) I don't know how we... Can I bring Jalen Waddell and Jamison Williams and sure. 
have Bill Bryan, well, he's calling the plays now, or Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays. No, I'm not, I'm out on Mac Jones. It's hard to it's hard to see a path to, for him to start. I do think that somebody takes a shot on him, even as a priority backup. And Mac Jones, because here's the other thing: why? What's what's Mac Jones' ceiling? Prime Andy Dalton. Like, what is his ceiling? Yeah, and, and if that's what you're saying, can Mac Jones ever become Kirk Cousins? No, unless he unless he has uh, gets some big muscles or something. Kirk Cousins was was on a playoff team, and that team. Is like, yeah, we're we're not re-signing you for what it's going to cost. So, could Mac Jones become Daniel Jones? No, he doesn't run fast enough. So it's like, uh, yeah. how good do you have to be with the rest of your roster? Yeah, if Mac Jones is your quarterback, would Mac Jones be okay? With Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, would Mac Jones be okay in San Francisco with a guy with that team there? Like that's the conversation we all had. Would Mac Jones have been Brock Purdy? Had he gone to San Francisco and not to New England? Maybe. I don't know. I don't like Brock Purdy's arm talent is not like this incredible thing. He's not Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Jalen. He's none of those guys. Right? He's a bit more mobile. It's true. It, 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 he would have been Jimmy Garoppolo with, yeah. with Kyle Shannon, which is pretty good. A quick thing before we go. Uh, I think the biggest thing that Mac Jones needs is uh, an image makeover because those pouts on the sideline, not a good look. Uh, Best bets for tonight. This is an easy one for me. Uh, Two of them, Donovan, both quarterbacks to throw an interception tonight. Okay. It's going to be one of those nights. Uh, But we will be watching, and then tomorrow we will be back to talk about it. Don't worry. We've got lots of other good games that we have to get to as well. Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Thanks to Donovan across the table. Thanks to James Brown, JB host of NFL on CBS. If you missed that one, find the podcast, download it, wherever you get your podcast. We're there. Uh, and enjoy it because he was a lot of fun. And thanks to Steve Buckley from The Athletic as we went over, uh, yeah, those New England Patriots. That's it for us. Thanks for listening to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network and wherever you get your podcast. Matt Marchese signing off. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.